Basically, her heart stopped and she became unconscious. That's Kevin Curtis, a doctor at Dartmouth-Hitchcock Medical Center in Lebanon, New Hampshire. He and an emergency nurse were looking at the EKG of a woman who was in a smaller town over 100 miles away. And we looked at it and saw that not only did it show a heart attack, but it showed one of the kinds of heart attacks that can benefit from going as fast as possible to the cardiac catheterization part of a medical center to get a procedure. So it started there, and then about every 20 minutes, very unusually, the woman would go back into cardiac arrest. Kevin is a tele-emergency doctor, which means he's on standby for calls like this. He assists other medical teams when they have tough cases but don't have all the tools, expertise, or people they need to handle the patient's needs. Anyone on that local team is empowered to hit the button anytime they want to get help. And really, when I say button, that's a button on the wall of one of those rooms. So, a patient in a small New England town was having a massive heart attack. Her doctors pressed the button, and in moments, Kevin was using a remote-controlled camera to observe and help. The doctors knew that this patient needed help from a special facility over two and a half hours away by car. And they needed to keep her heart stable enough to make it through the trip there. And as fate would have it, it was a terrible snowstorm and there was no helicopter. So we worked together on getting an ambulance there at the right time to get her quickly then to our catheterization lab where she had a procedure and left the hospital two days later, walked out of the hospital just as healthy as before it all started. This is Networked, the 5G Future, a podcast from Verizon and T-Brand at The New York Times. I'm Christina Warren. As a reporter and analyst, I've spent years covering how technology changes the way we work, play, and connect online. Throughout the series, I'm learning how this new generation of wireless technology could pave the way for some major advances in every part of our lives, from education to sports to music. In this episode, I'll talk with the doctors who are leading the way in telehealth, showing how a fully available 5G network could help them care for people across the country. Then, I'll meet the team that's using Verizon 5G-powered edge computing to deliver more effective examinations to prevent cancer. Kevin Curtis isn't just an emergency doctor. He's the medical director of the Dartmouth-Hitchcock Center for Telehealth, which has delivered video care an estimated 20,000 times since the program launched in 2012. So when COVID began to put pressure on hospitals across the country, it's hard to imagine a better MD to figure out the next steps. As many learn, but as we knew in advance when the question was, do we have a way to limit exposure and preserve PPE and have effective ways of delivering care with less people going into the room? It sounded like someone was teeing up a question that the answer was clearly going to be telehealth. Our providers were already trained. They knew how to do telehealth. They knew the region well. They knew the teams at the rural hospitals. So that was another significant leg up for us, I think, as we went into the pandemic. That's Mary Oside, Senior VP for Regional Strategy and Operations at Dartmouth-Hitchcock. Mary and Kevin have worked closely together and with other hospitals to build out a telehealth network that serves around 2 million people in the New England region. They provide a variety of telehealth services, including the tele-emergency hub where Kevin reports for duty. We check in in the morning. We say hi to the local team. We just reinforce that 
relationship because we are asking them, when you have your most stressful situations today, could you hit a button and have a team that you kind of know join in on a monitor in the corner? And that's a little bit of a big ask. When they're called, Kevin and the nurse working with him at the hub are patched into the other emergency room through video and microphone. They ask the team who called them how they can be helpful and collaborate with them in real time. Kevin and Mary have gotten really good at this approach, but there's plenty of opportunity for this tele-emergency service to improve, starting with the network that the service depends on. When I think about the future of tele-emergency and I think about what would be really beneficial in our region is if we could eliminate the cost and the long lead times to set up a rural hospital, you know, just an easy connection rather than having to wire and put in all the infrastructure to bring them into our teleemergency service. It's expensive. And for a rural ho- small rural hospitals that are barely surviving financially today, oftentimes when it fails, it's, it's because of the infrastructure. Their community doesn't have uh, internet that supports video chat, or they can't get cell service that supports video chat. So they just can't make the investment. We, you know, we know how to do the convenience part. The thing that we lose sleep about and that we're constantly working on is how do we make sure that everybody has the technology so that they can get the convenience, so that we really have a nation where everybody has access to this type of faster, more convenient care. As 5G connectivity becomes more fully available, we can also expect more access to telehealth services, whether they're integrated into hospitals, used for pop-up clinics, or used to keep patients in touch with doctors through their phones. In fact, we're already seeing a major shift in how doctors check up on their patients during COVID, from in-person appointments to video chats. And one of the leaders in that shift is the co-founder and CEO of ZocDoc, Oliver Kroz. Hi, Oliver. Thanks so much for being here. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. If you haven't used it, ZocDoc is an app that helps you quickly find doctors in your insurance network and set up an appointment with them from your phone or computer. Oliver and ZocDoc made news this year by launching a large-scale telehealth service as part of their regular app. I started our conversation by asking him to talk me through how this all came together, just as COVID was on America's doorstep. Yeah, as we saw the pandemic spreading to the Middle East and and then to Italy, uh, it was clear that we needed to be ready. And so I brought the executive team together. I, I can still remember the date. It was March 2nd. And uh, I, I told them, look, we have to drop everything. And 10 days after that, we actually had our first telehealth experience live, which we had decided is a core part of what sort of our COVID response should be. By the end of March, we had uh, roughly 3,000 providers live. At this point, we have over 10,000 providers on telehealth, and that makes us by far the largest telehealth network in the country with over 100 different specialties. And so it's been uh, a real transformation for us uh, to be offering telehealth alongside our traditional in-person offering. And, And it's been fantastic to see how patients take us up on it. That's really astonishing how quickly you've been able to expand this service. And from what I understand, you actually tried to offer telehealth appointments in the past, right? Yeah, absolutely. I actually tried it uh, twice. 
The first time uh, in, in the in the preteen years of the last decade, I tried uh, telehealth because I saw our mobile usage rising. I said, okay, great. Now people have devices in their hands that have cameras and they have microphones and they are capable of transmitting video. And so clearly, you know, they should flock to uh, to telehealth. And so I started offering this in a, in a trial in New York to just see how many patients would actually be interested in this. And uh, that early, early attempt flopped terribly. You couldn't even get people to click, uh, click on the button, and, and it, it was still too alien of a concept. That obviously completely changed in March when the pandemic hit. Yeah, I feel like that's sort of what we've been learning across multiple industries, that the pandemic has accelerated certain technological transitions, which might have already been moving in a certain direction, but never had, I guess, this kind of like massive event to really drive more widespread adoption. I mean, one of the interesting insights that we've been able to generate is that in the past, telehealth has been pursued in an incorrect way, right? Everyone thought that convenience and, and patient's choice would be with a service that is 24-7 on demand. And so they offered cute experiences where patients would be dialing in and then be assigned to the first available provider. And these providers could be anywhere in the country, which made uh, this uh, approach much more efficient. As it turns out, patients prefer a doctor that is close to them physically, even when they do telehealth. Because what patients realize is that many times they will still have to see the doctor in person and they don't want to restart uh, a relationship with someone else. And, and, and I think the underlying intuition that the patients have is correct, right? We are physical beings and we have physical bodies, right? We need our teeth cleaned, we need blood drawn, we need samples taken. And uh, that can uh, not be done through an app. So what exactly are you seeing from all these new telehealth appointments? Yeah, it's, it's interesting. I think in some ways it's nearly uh, like uh, the old commercial, Can You Hear Me Now? <laughs> uh, so <laughs> we, we've actually interestingly seen that providers have been switching their telehealth software quite frequently. And I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that telehealth software that they adopted early or even potentially pre the pandemic wasn't laid out for the scale that is currently happening. And so, you know, there were there were like technical limitations and, and this market is still very much in flux and we'll sort of see the sort of end state of a solution is. You know, as, as ZocDoc, as we've seen our provider struggle, we've actually made a version uh, free telehealth software that any provider, whether they are our customer or not, can use for all of their patients free of charge to help contribute to sort of a more stable infrastructure in the telehealth space. And what kind of challenges are you seeing as more and more people use these telehealth services? Simple technical connectivity issues, right? the dropped calls, the voice that cuts out, uh, you know, the, the grainy video. And all of those are things that are an obstacle to really creating that provider-patient bond virtually and remotely. And so and I think that's obviously something that will uh, improve. You know, Zocto can contribute to that through the software stack. But there's obviously uh, sort of hardware and, and, and just internet infrastructure that uh, is probably going to need to mature to completely make that work for patients that are in places that are not like Manhattan, where obviously we already have fantastic infrastructure. 
Okay, so in terms of infrastructure, what kind of role could 5G play? And I'm asking because I was just speaking with a teleemergency doctor who regularly jumps on video calls to help other emergency rooms treat patients in rural hospitals that may not have all the staff or the tools that we have in a place like New York City. And of course, you know, they don't have the same kind of internet access either. This is still common uh, for providers to not have uh, universal access for all of their staff and and for their systems not necessarily not necessarily being connected to the internet, and and you know that's that's no knock on them. That's just the uh, limited utility of of the internet when not everyone has a fast connection. Right, and so as the demand for telehealth grows, it seems like we'll start to be limited by the existing ways that people can or can't get online. And a fully available 5G network could be a major part of removing those limitations. Yeah, I, I would even get, get a, go a step further. I would say that in order to fully realize all the opportunities and, and cost savings that telehealth can bring to us as a society, we need to decide to make the investment into the infrastructure that's required that everyone can come on. And it's hard enough as it is to talk about where precisely this rash is and what you might have done to get it uh, versus having to uh, also explain this three times over because your connection dropped. Like that is uh, that is something that seems like such a given, uh, but something that uh, isn't actually part of everyone's reality every day. And, and so... I think it, it behooves us as a society to say, great, we now have a wonderful rationale why this investment makes sense right now, right? And and obviously other things will over time grow on a widespread 5G or strong internet backbone in general. But we already have a fantastic business case that, that justifies the investment today. In healthcare, 5G isn't just about keeping patients and doctors connected it can also unleash a more portable form of artificial intelligence. Next, I'll speak to two innovators who are using Verizon 5G to help doctors reduce the rate of colon cancer, using not much more than a laptop computer. That's after the break. Verizon 5G Edge is the world's first mobile edge computing platform with AWS Wavelength, and it's rolling out in select cities around the country. It's built right, so faster speed and ultra-low latency now come to mobile and connected devices, paving the way for a wide range of transformative applications. The implications for rapid innovation are staggering, and now businesses and developers can harness its power, today and into the future. Verizon 5G Edge is here, from the network businesses rely on. Welcome back to Networked, the 5G future. I'm Christina Warren. Talking about telehealth with Kevin and Mary from the Dartmouth-Hitchcock Medical Center and with Oliver from ZocDoc made me appreciate just how quickly people are adapting to the new challenges of seeking care. But those conversations also reminded me that reliable access to your doctor is just the start of what we could achieve through a reliable 5G network. That's because 5G can supercharge a technology called edge computing, To learn what kind of impact Verizon 5G-powered edge computing can make, I call Dr. Shannon Scholl and her collaborator, Raj Nair. My name is Shannon Scholl. I'm a gastroenterologist in the Raleigh-Durham area, specifically in Cary, North Carolina. And I do colonoscopies and upper endoscopies and take care of patients in the clinic and in the hospital. I'm Raj Nair. I am the founder and CEO and CTO of Avacia Systems. We are building an 
edge platform for AI and other applications that can greatly improve workflows for these uh, very demanding applications. Raj's startup, Avacia Systems, partnered with Verizon to build AI that could help Shannon perform colonoscopies with greater accuracy. If that sounds straightforward, well, it kind of is. This is one of those technologies that I hear about, and I think, how are we getting by without this? While I'm doing colonoscopy, I'm looking at my monitor and trying to find polyps. And the reason I want to do that is because polyps, if left alone, will turn into cancer. So the point of colonoscopy is to find those polyps and take them out. But the problem is that the polyps can be very subtle. And so they are challenging to find sometimes. And what Avesha does is go along with me in real time at the same time and looks at what I'm looking at, finds polyps, and puts a, a box around them. And... It's not meant to be perfect at finding polyps. It's meant to be perfect at finding things that could be polyps. So it draws my attention then, and I can decide, is that a polyp or not? Actually, a good friend of mine is is a survivor of of colon cancer. He's a true rock star. And so I've seen, you know, what that can do and how important it is for people to be able to get exams and detection. And it sounds like prevention, too. So this this is really great. You know, Shannon, if you could tell me a little bit more about what you see day to day as a gastroenterologist, like what is particularly challenging about colonoscopies? The the colon is on average about five feet long, and I'm supposed to be looking at every millimeter ideally. Now we have a certain miss rate because we're human. So our and our miss rate is estimated between six and twenty percent. And that's for a lot of reasons. Polyps can be hard to find. They can be um, sort of hidden behind a fold. The colon is constantly moving. And so a polyp that was apparent a second ago can disappear. (laughs) Is that why the real-time aspect of this technology is so important? Because it's sounding like what you're saying is, is that because stuff could be hidden around, you need to see in that moment where things could be so that you can move the scope to investigate more. Is that accurate? That's accurate. But also a colonoscopy is diagnostic as well as therapeutic. So when I see a polyp, I take it out. So if I found a polyp Ah. by looking at the video, yeah, the opportunity is gone to, to remove the polyp. And Raj, how have you been working with Shannon to take on the challenge of, you know, making it easier to identify polyps? One of the things that we've been fortunate to do is almost 400 uh, runs of this in her clinic. And it's been very uh, successful in the sense that our model has learned false positives or false negatives. And we know that because our system also records the audio. You can actually talk to it. So when the doctor sees something, she can say, take a picture and she can annotate that. Shannon, what kind of impact does that have on your work? The fact that you can talk to this, you know, um, technology while you're doing the exam? Oh, my gosh, it's huge. Because right now what I do is I do my colonoscopy, I remove whatever polyps. And then when I'm finished, I walk over to my computer and I recreate everything that I just did in a, I type it into a report. And it really makes perfect sense. It's time really for us to be able to dictate our, our reports in real time. I mean, why, why shouldn't we be able to do that? Why shouldn't I be able to tell the computer of Asia found polyp, you know, and tell it how big it was and what I used to take it out and have that go right into my report, you know, and then when I'm, when I'm done, I just go over, check it and hit print. And it saves me time. It saves me a lot of mental strain because I don't have to remember what I did for the last 30 minutes (laughs) and then go, you know, record it accurately. 
And it also, that natural language processing feature has a role for nurses in the room. We have to have someone extra to record in the computer what I'm doing for the pathologist. So we have to label the specimens, you know, where the polyp was, how I took it out, what I think it might be. And that can also be done by the nurse wearing a mic. And that allows for efficiencies of personnel. You know, that that nurse could be used to do nursing things, like handing me the tools I need or assisting with the patient. That is so cool. That has to make your job so much easier. And so on the back end, how does the 5G ultra-wideband technology that Verizon's providing make all that possible? 5G gives you two important things, which is high bandwidth and low latency. And in our application, we use both of that because we have to send video up to the inferencing engine real fast. uh, And we use like 60 frames per second. So the inter-frame time is only like 16.67 milliseconds. We cannot afford to have a round-trip delay that is, let's say, more than 30 milliseconds. And that's kind of the simplest way to think about running this AI program on the 5G edge network that Verizon's building, right? Like, rather than sending all of this real-time data to a server farm or having a state-of-the-art computer in the hospital, you can get the improved accuracy of this AI immediately wherever you have reception. Yes, absolutely. Because we're running on an edge, we use multiple GPUs. And so you you can run different models and you can switch from one model to the other instantly and get you better insights from its previous history or from the knowledge of the universe (laughs) that it has, whether it has seen something like this before and then pull up that information all in real time and show it to the doctor right there on the screen. Yeah, that's really cool because I know in the radiology space right now, they have lots of different individual AI apps you know, one for lung nodules, one for mammography. But um, the problem is that they're all fractured and you have to have a suite of individual apps in order to do all the things that you want to do for one CT. And so right now it's really fragmented. So that ability, that sort of versatility and agility is really important. Raj, Shannon, you're both doing amazing work. I love, Shannon, what you're doing from the side of a doctor. Thank you for all of your work there. And Raj, the tech that you're building is blowing my mind and is just incredible. Thank you so much for sharing what you're working on with me. Thanks, Christina. My pleasure. Enjoyed it very much. Thanks, Christina. It's so important for people to have access to the best medical care and for the most up-to-date tools to be part of that care. A fully available 5G network can power this next generation of healthcare tools and help create better outcomes for patients, from the emergency room to your own living room. On the next episode of Networked, I'll dive into another kind of living room experience, watching football. And I'll learn how Verizon 5G can help sports fans carry on the culture, even if they can't gather to see the game in person. And with 5G, we believe there are applications that can put them physically in the stadium. They can choose a seat to sit from uh, one day and see the game from that angle. That's next time on Networked, the 5G future, by Verizon and T-Brand at The New York Times. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And if you want to know more about how innovators are exploring how to harness the power of Verizon 5G, check out the new documentary, Speed of Thought, on Amazon Prime Video or speedofthoughtfilm.com. I'm Christina Warren. See you next time. 
Verizon just turned on 5G across the country with the coverage of 5G nationwide and in more and more cities, the unprecedented performance of ultra-wideband, the fastest 5G in the world. 5G ultra-wideband is so fast, you can download an album in seconds. Verizon 5G won't just change how your phone works. It will change everything. This is the 5G America's been waiting for. Only from Verizon. 5G ultra-wideband available only in parts of select cities. 5G nationwide available in 1,800 plus cities. Global claim based on open signal independent analysis during the period January 31st through April 30th, 2020.